This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift. Find your fun with the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Kreuzer. That's a bit of Welsh for you. Garrett, a very happy St. David's Day. Happy St. David's Day, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, how are you celebrating it at all? Or I'm celebrating it in a number of ways. Um, I'm eating um, only Welsh cakes today. Um, I'm going to dress <laughs> as an anthropomorphic daffodil for the, for the second part of the day, and then walk around for the evening as an anthropomorphic dragon um, to tick <laughs> off a number of other <laughs> Welsh cliches that I've seen in my Six Nations travels down the years. Yeah, very good, very good. You can always have um, a bit of cowl. Ah, is that cake? Which is like a stew. Okay, it's a stew. <laughs> um, what else is there? Oh, Welsh rarebit. Oh, yeah, very nice. Cheese on toast. What about a nice Penderin single malt? Oh, exactly, yeah. Bit of brains beer. Mm. Yeah. See, you, you, you're doing it half measures, Tom. Come on. <laughs> How are you celebrating it, G? Um, well, I think cowl is probably the way I'll have to go. It's probably the the healthiest of all those options, I guess. Um, cause I'm trying to, you know, season's well underway now, isn't it? So trying to be all healthy in that. How was Portugal, your first uh, race of the season? It was good, thanks, yeah. Well, it was, well, where were we on GC? I think um, Danny Martinez was third, maybe. But um, it was a bit of a shock to the system, not going to lie, but, you know, with what I missed in the winter. But oh, great to just be back with the boys racing. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. It was, it was crazy, like like the end of last year was but the end of last year I was a bit more like oh, I'm not sure I'm enjoying these crazy races at the moment <laughs> <laughs> with the year uh, or the couple of weeks that I had in the summer but no I was I enjoyed being back in the, the thick of the action to be honest so yeah all good it always strikes me as a lovely place to start your season because the weather's always nice oh, yeah. in that part of Portugal. Um, people of Portugal are very nice. They love their cycling. They've produced world champions, Portugal. The locals always seem to get into it. Yeah, and there's a lot of expats down there as well, so there's a lot of support. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you say, the main thing is the weather. The weather was great. Although the start of, what stage was it? Maybe three or something. We're driving up into the mountains and then suddenly it's all black clouds and stuff and everyone's looking around <gasps> the bus like, did not sign up for this. But um, luckily it didn't rain. But uh, yeah, cracking weather. We had a bit of wind. Um, but Don't I, start complaining about a little bit of wind <laughs> in Portugal too. People listen to this back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. There was nothing like Storm, whatever there was, Franklin. And what was the other one? Eunice was in there. Eunice. Dudley? Might have been Dudley. It was a D anyway. We went, to, we went from D to F very quickly. Yeah, so n- nothing like that. But um yeah, lovely way to start the year. A couple of sprint days, a couple of hard days in the mountains, a couple of, well, I'm one TT, so yeah, can't fault it. So this was the first proper test of the reconfigured shoulder as well. Everything hmm. go well? It did, yeah. There was even, <laughs> uh, there was a bit of argy-bargy. Um, this young guy basically from Astana came and like tried to take, so in a, in a lead out, um, we were leading out Ethan, Ethan Hater from the team. First stage, 5k to go, and then this Astana guy just comes up and just knocks me off Dylan's wheel. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it wasn't just a normal little tap. It was like like quite an aggressive like elbow into like my handlebars. I was like, bloody hell. So I was like, well, it's my wheel, so I'm going to go back. And then next thing, proper gets me on the hip and like throws me a good 
I don't know, metre, two metres. Cheeky bastard. To the side. I was like, not having any of that, Tom. Not having any of that. So I just come back in and just smashed him. It was a bit, <laughs> maybe it was a bit over the top, but, and I might have swore. But then, um, yeah, I got Dylan's wheel back and uh, I'm not sure Ethan was even behind us. <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's an unwritten rule. You, you don't get an elite out train. And this guy, yeah, I think he was a Neo pro. Anyway, oh, the next okay. day, next day he came up to me, apologized. And then half of the Astana team came up individually to say, oh, sorry about him. He's just keen and blah, blah, blah. So it was all good. I said, yeah, no, no stress. Just come on. Like you got to, well, there's a bit of respect in the peloton still, you know, mm. you can't just go around like, it was just aggressive. I was like, come on, mate. Unwritten yeah. rules. Everyone knows unwritten rules, don't they? <laughs> That's why they're unwritten. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he it sounds like he was a thrusting young buck, um, to put it one way. And but maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it cast your mind back to your, your own first um races in the Pro Peloton. But at that stage there was much more of a hierarchy, wasn't there? You weren't even able to look at someone like Fabian Cancellara <laughs> for your first year, not even make eye contact. Yeah, it's 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 true, like but I was also like, I wouldn't say scared, but you're just like, you don't want to get in their way, you know? Like if yeah. someone, if there's like, I don't know, yeah, like you say, Fabian Cancellara or Jens Voigt or someone who, who's, you know, you respect and that and you've been watching on TV, you just give them extra room to go past you, you know? Um, but then back then as well, like Joe Dombrowski, who rides for Astana as well, he, he comes up to me and he was like, yeah, there's no respect these days. When I was Neo Pro, Benati came up to me and told me for something I did, and I was just shitting myself just because it was Benati that came up to him, who was like, you know, one of the elder statesmen and stuff. So there's definitely less of that for sure. But, um, you know, I'm not saying, oh, I've won the tour, people need to let me ride around. Although that would be quite nice. It would help. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely lost a bit of that sort of just general sort of, yeah, respect, I guess. But, um, just with everyone it's just a fight the whole day like even downhill you know we used to race for downhills and race maybe a couple of corners um, you know the legendary Micah in 2017 when he took me out and broke my collarbone of course yeah on the tour yeah, yeah. I've forgiven him obviously um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah then you kind of stop and wherever you are you, you just go down the descent then don't you but these days it just seems like you're just constantly just fighting for every corner trying to outbreak each other the whole descent especially in Algarve there's like gravel on random corners and phew, it was pretty chaotic but in a weird way I did enjoy being back in that so and luckily avoided everything little Ben who I um I named him as one of the potential sort of young riders for this year in an earlier pod mm. he crushed three days in a row so um huh. yeah not the greatest start <laughs> to the season for him <laughs> um Oh, poor kid though. He's oh, he was so cut up because he'd crashed the previous race as well, like a week oh, before. No. But you know, he'll go away now, rest up, and he'll come back. He'll, he'll be fine. He's not attached any blame to you, has he? Um, for um, for cursing him in any way, <laughs> bearing in mind what you've done through your career, which we don't yeah. talk about on your podcast. No, I hope not. But um, no, I'm sure. I'm sure I haven't. But um, it's not like he's a bad bike handler though, because he's um, well, he's won the junior crosswalls two times yeah yeah so yeah people that crash a lot it's not always down to bike handling which people love to try and uh knock me with sometimes as well which... i've i've seen the social media feed to g yeah. yeah you don't need to explain anymore <laughs> but <laughs> there we go that's that's social media for you isn't it 
Yeah, definitely. Right, talking about um, extraordinary bike handling, shall we get today's guest on? Let's do it. Sponsor Klaxon. The GTCC are delighted to be sponsored by Momentus, a leading human performance company that works with pro and elite sporting teams. And here's Geraint to tell you about their flagship product, PR Lotion, and a cheeky discount for our members. Yeah, so PR Lotion is a cream that you just basically massage on your muscles that are working. So the other day, for instance, I had a big time trial session. So an hour before, just was there in my kitchen, massaging cream all over my legs. And uh, But it works very well. And the data also actually shows that you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. So win-win. So go on, go and slap it all over those legs before your next big ride or your next workout or even your next GTCC ride. Just go to livemomentous.com and use the discount code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training. Hello, I'm Katie Puckrick. I've got a podcast called Dot Com, the documentary series about the people of the internet. And I just want to let you know that Series 2 is out now. It blasts open the door on Reddit, the front page of the internet. It's kooky. To me, Reddit is one of the last bastions of actual communities online. It's sinister. Reddit has really always prided itself on being the mirror that it holds up to society, right? That society has a lot of imperfections and messiness and destruction and violence, but there's so much good there as well. It's some of the biggest, most shocking stories of the century. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian family. I feel like every time there's some big scandal going on, Reddit is 100% a contributor and an antagonist to it. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe now. Today's guest, Tom, is a rider that can do it all. He can win bunch sprints, he can win sprints with just two people, he can attack in the mountains and win mountain stages, he can time trial, he can win the biggest one-day races, he's a bit of a bastard, really, um... Welcome to the GTCC, Wout Van Aert. Welcome, mate. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Cool introduction, for sure. Well, I'm just looking at your Palmares or your results on Wikipedia, so I hope this is correct. But just for a quick run through, you've won the Cyclocross World Champs three times, overall Tour Britain. Uh, You won four stages on the way to that. San Remo, Strada, Gent-Wevelgum, and Amstel. And you also have three silver medals in the Worlds and the Olympics. It's not bad. And that was all over about a two-year period. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Only Sagacross was a bit before. I think that's where uh, where it all started for me as a professional. But uh, yeah, it's true. The last years it goes, it goes actually really fast. Uh, always from yeah. one thing to another, let's say. There is one big race though that's missing to join the real uh, superstars of the sport. It's uh, E3 <laughs> Harold Becker. Yeah. That must be on your. Yeah, it's true. On your hit list. One time I was second, so I came up close. But uh, I'd also, uh, I think, one or two attempts where I was quite shit. So um, yeah, 
Uh, I know what you mean. It's uh, it's the only <laughs> classic you were able to win, so I hope to uh, <laughs> to do that again. So far, so, so far. far. Well, it's, you need to say so far. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me wonder, well, actually, what would be what would be your dream day on a bike? Because you can ride cross, you can ride road, you can ride all the different sorts of road stages, like G has said. So if you were just riding for fun and just going to your garage and taking out a bike, what bike would you choose? Where would you go? I would take my cross bike for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, off-road riding has, has always been been more special to me than, than riding on the road. So uh, I really like to to get through the winter on the on the cross bike not only for real cyclocross trainings but also yeah nowadays we call it gravel but uh just going left right and uh going off the the bigger roads uh i've been doing this my whole life already and um it's yeah it always feels like like coming home for me i was gonna say i did a bit of gravel riding in la recently right and I was surprised. I was like, is this actually gravel riding? How are we mountain biking? Because there were some massive boulders and stuff everywhere. Like, my idea of gravel was, you know, Strada. And out there, I was Mm -hmm. like... Because this was Cam, Cameron Worth, who was taking me up there. And you know what he's like. You don't really uh, trust too much that he says. But it was um, certainly a different experience, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it... Uh, in my opinion, can mean a lot. Uh, where I live, gravel riding is more like it's not surfaced, but it's just uh, sandy roads. So it's not no no real gravel at all, because like you know in Belgium, basically every road is paved, so it's hard to find the uh, real gravel roads in between. It's immediately uh, quite narrow. But that's for me. It's just uh, what it's about is every time it can be different. I mean. Uh, if um, if we're on training camp, like I remember last year on Sierra Nevada and altitude camp, we found a gravel road to which which led us uh, to the mountain. Uh, then it was yeah almost not rideable with the road bike, but still we enjoyed to have uh, to have something different. And in my opinion, it makes uh, makes your your uh, options yeah a lot bigger. So uh, it's cool. There is one. There, there's one little gravel section out down by the Madon in uh, south of France. Every time we go down there, about two people punch at least <laughs> out of three. <laughs> so we try to avoid them now. But um, yeah, that's the that's the big downside for me. Yeah, it starts with good equipment, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the road bike definitely is, is a pain in the ass to to take the, the real road, but. Uh, that's that's why I have a cross bike at home always. Yeah, nice. So speaking about cyclocross then and road, you obviously don't struggle with mixing the two, but how much time do you actually get off in the year? Because it feels, from the outside, it just seems like you're just constantly racing. And even cyclocross is like, it's an hour at least, no? An hour full gas. And um, like when I did a bit of track, we did the track in the winter and that's just, you know, four minutes, a big effort. And uh, it takes it's a lot easier to recover from a four minute effort than an hour full gas. So, how does it work with you with your rest periods and stuff? And do the team they obviously support you, but would they prefer you just to do the road? I guess for sure the road is is the most important for them, and and yeah, also nowadays it's it's the most important for me. 
on the other hand i think they they realized uh, the last years that it's a it's a big opportunity to have uh to have some visibility also in winter um yeah it's, i think it's hard for somebody out of belgium to to understand how how big it is we every race is broadcasted and yeah it's not it's not really um how you say it um it's it's average to have like one million people watching we're only 10 million belgians so you can imagine how uh yeah how nice this is for a sponsor like jumbo is now starting up to have shops in belgium as well so yeah i really like to to have the the, the option and yeah to to combine it it's it's always a, a process i would say um this last october i think was the first time in a few years i took uh more than three weeks off and uh yeah really felt good actually and now yeah one thing i learned from that is that i should really force myself to do this every year um the years before also with covid uh maybe we we really hopped from one thing to another and at some point uh yeah, I, st- I felt strong in the second part of last season, but especially physically, it was um, especially mentally, it was hard uh, to to really focus on on big days. So I think, especially mentally, I, I need to um, yeah get get a good balance, and that's also also was the reason why I skipped the worlds this season to uh, to have a bit of more mental rest for uh, for a big uh, block of spring classics. Do you guys start money as well in cyclocross? Yeah, just a little bit. That must help. That sort of smile on your face here, wow. No, yeah, of course it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's it's good. Uh, it's, it's a nice extra, and uh, especially because, yeah, last year I found out for me it, it works to, to be in my top shape in in the spring so then it's even yeah even better you you also make nice nice money of it in winter but um yeah if now i did like 10 races if i only would race cyclocross for money uh, i would would have done 40 races let's say so um yeah it's uh also that is <laughs> it's, uh, finding a finding a good balance well, people in Belgium rather you rode more cross because it's like you say you chop your season a little bit this year you didn't do the world's out in um, the States. How did that go down at home, bearing in mind how much people in Belgium love their cross? Yeah, it was it was definitely a big thing when I announced to, to quit the season after Nationals. Um, yeah, people, they live more from moment to moment. So while the cross season is on, they they don't understand that it's something else coming than, than World Cyclocross. So they're really focused on that. But also, yeah, at least I felt like a bit later they understand this. It's more to come and, um, yeah, they, they know I will be there again in the Spring Classic. So, um, yeah, it's it's impossible to do, uh, to do good for everyone, I guess. And, um, yeah, also, luckily, the, the Spring Classics are uh, something really big in, in my country. So, um, I guess uh, that's why they, they understand. Yeah, you can't always please everyone. But speaking of spring classics, we've already already established that E three is the biggest that you can really win. But what about <laughs> Flanders and Roubaix? Um, if you could choose, which one is the uh, the biggest one for you? 
Uh, I always felt yeah more excited for Roubaix actually. Maybe it's strange to say that as a Flemish guy, but yeah, it's just one of a kind this race, and it's only once a year. It's um, yeah, it's it's a true battlefield, uh, and yeah, by the time we race the Tour of Flanders, you you do these climbs already for one month in every single race, so it's. Yeah, it's it's of course super special, and uh, hopefully by the end of my career, uh, I can uh, I can say I won both. But yeah, to me, Roubaix is it's it's always more special. Uh, actually, yeah. Did you enjoy it last year in the rain? No, not at all. <laughs> actually, I think everybody, or everybody, uh, at least I think from 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 the outside, they they thought oh, this is something for. Uh, cyclocross races and they can use their skills and uh, whatever but um yeah i felt confident when i wasn't uh on the front but yeah obviously you're uh, a lot of times in the wheels and yeah i really was scared to that to to crash and uh, i was also really struggling with my with my eyes i think the last hour of the race i i didn't have a clear view anymore because they were full of mud and uh yeah, no idea. yeah it was more yeah, it was more like <laughs> I, I felt like finishing really, yeah, with, with a lot of luck and was not really focused on the race anymore. Just uh, survive it and get it done as quick as possible. So yeah, for me it's good. It's only every now and then we ever went through bear. Would I would like to have a nice sunny day this spring. Is it the sort of race you learn something from every time? Wow! So you finished. What thirteenth in your first attempt, twenty seconds three years ago, and then we have obviously had the year we didn't have a Paris Roubaix, and then seventh last year. Is this something you've picked up every every time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in Roubaix, all, all these results feel a little bit like, yeah, cannot be really happy with it because it was always a, a lot more possible. But yeah, it's a race which is so hard to predict. I I remember. Last edition, I think I was always in the front where I need to be always well positioned. And then there was one um, one sector coming up. I was uh, discussing a little bit with a teammate what to do next. And we were surprised a little bit in, in the lead out to it. And just in one second, uh, I saw Mathieu attacking on the, on the other side of the of the group. I was 20 positions down and my race was, was basically finished because of this one second of hesitation, so it was again a learning point. Like always, be uh, be focused and be ready. From the perspective of someone who enjoys watching elite races and will never ride an elite race, do you give us an appreciation of what it's like racing against Wout? It's Im- impressive to see at times. It's annoying at times as well, um, just because he's so good. Uh, so I remember actually in the in the tour last year, what happened in our team? What? Oh yeah, I obviously crashed, didn't I? Carapaz was third and we were sort of like, we were in the last week of the race and um, we were looking to just go for a few stages and it turns out, you know, the last week of the tour, there's so much politics going on, or politics, so much different competitions going on, people going for this, that, the other, King of the Mountains, points, you know, people riding for GC, this, that. And we, we were attacking, trying to, yeah, just to go in the break. And Wout followed me a couple of times. And I was thinking, oh, mate, why is Wout following me? Like, every time he moves, the whole peloton move. So I, was, I just asked him, I was like, oh, mate, are you, 
is it just coincidence or are you following us? I was like, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, we don't want a break to go. I'm trying to remember exactly the situation now. I can't. So they had Vingegaard. Vingegaard was like second. And I think they wanted it all together to race for the, the stage for him, maybe. They didn't want a break to go away too early. Um, so then at that point, I just thought, well, if Wout's one of the guys chasing me, the whole peloton's chasing him, like I'm not going to get away. So I just, I just knocked on the head for that day. Had a day off. Um, well, a day off, you know, you've got to get through the bloody Pyrenees. Yeah, so it can be frustrating at times, but it's just so impressive to see, like, in that intro, you know, that tour last year, he won, the first stage was Von 2, went up Von 2 twice, he was in the breakaway, descent to the finish, won that solo, and then he won the TT, and then the very next day, the sprint on the Champs-Élysées, so it's... um Super impressive. You know, people like Matthew van der Poel obviously is impressive and oh, one trick pony sounds a bit... <laughs> it's a good trick. Like a, a put down. But exactly, but it's a very good trick um, Matthew has. Um, but, you know, Wow can just do it all. Um, and that's the most impressive thing really. And it'd be great to have him... In our team, actually, to be fair. Uh, was it, were you close to signing with us, by the way? Or was that all just rumours? I guess it was was more of rumours, but yeah, luckily we had a, we had some interest from other teams and yeah, I could, could sign a, a nice deal with the, with the team where I'm now, with the Jumbo Visma. That's what I was thinking. You just, you started those rumours then, just to bump your price up. <laughs> no, actually, I was, was just surprised when I, when I uh, read it. And uh, I remember uh, I called my manager like, where's that coming from? I I don't know anything about it. And he was like, uh, stay calm. It's only in our favor. So it turned out to be to be something good. But <laughs> it was not not really close. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think I was in a position was more teams uh, interested. And uh, yeah, on the other hand, I have to admit I'm in a good place now. I mean, as a Belgian, it's... Uh, I'm out of out of Belgium, let's say a little bit, which which actually I like because it's always a lot of pressure uh, on it. And on the other hand, I'm still on a Dutch speaking team, uh, my mother language. So yeah, it feels like perfect combination. And so yeah, for now um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you live now? Uh, just living in Belgium, actually only five k from the village where I grew up. Is that intense? It must be. Um... As you said, you know, a million people watch cyclocross out of 10 million in the country and everyone must know you. Everyone must want a piece of you every time you're home. Yeah, I mean, I think that could be maybe the only reason for me to, to spend more time abroad. Um, can be really uh, hard to, yeah, to be always recognized when, when you go out for dinner or you do some groceries or you do really normal things in life. It's not always easy, but... Yeah, on the other hand, for me, my, my family is really important. And um, yeah, I like to have my, my parents and parents of my wife and everybody and my sister uh, close to me. And so, yeah, I'm never really doubting on, on changing something on that. So, yeah, it's uh, always as advantages and disadvantages, I think. So talking of groceries, this might be a bit off topic, but... Being in Belgium, being a superstar, you must have paparazzi in the bushes and stuff. <laughs> Would you get fined for going to Carrefour if you didn't go to Jumbo? 
Uh, no, luckily not because yeah, it's still coming in Belgium. I think they have now like 13 shops. Should be a lot more by the end of next year. Uh, but the nearest okay. the nearest shop is like a half an hour drive. So until now they allow me to uh, to pick another one. But uh, I always do it with a head and sunglasses. <laughs> So well, this ability to ride all the different forms in stage races, right? When you were a kid, was there one particular form of racing that you wanted to do? Has this gradually just opened out in front of you? Or did you love every aspect of cycling when you were a kid? Well, it's a really easy answer. As a, as a kid, I was only dreaming of being a cyclocross racer. If somebody said then uh, I could become professional in cyclocross, it was already a dream coming through. So... Um, yeah, everything what I what I'm doing now on the road has been, uh, yeah, a process. Let's say it's uh, it came by, yeah, the summer program we did as a cyclocross racer, and uh, in the beginning it was just as a preparation. But soon I I felt I had also big motivations to to do well in the races a lot more than some of my teammates who were really only interested in cyclocross. And then, yeah, a few summers I start to have some results in 1.1 races or, yeah, I remember I won the prologuing Tour of Belgium when I was still really young. And, uh, yeah, I get more and more interest in, in something else. And I think also winning um, winning basically every race and, and series in, in cyclocross at some point, uh, I felt like a new challenge was, was welcome. So... Yeah, that made me change. But when I was a kid, I, yeah, the road was, was boring. I was watching Tour de Flanders, of course, and yeah, some stages in the Tour. But all the rest was like, yeah, far from, from what I was uh, aiming for, actually. So speaking about Tour Belgium, stage races, do you have any ambitions for for GC at all in the future? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean... I think it would be smart to to start with a one week stage race let's say um uh yeah also yeah it's also it's a difficult question which uh which i get a, a lot of time the last uh, couple of years i think um uh, yeah it, it doesn't go really together with with winning one day classics so for sure in in the near future my focus will be more on that um but yeah hopefully i can i can take that off at some point and, and maybe try to go for a gc and, and, and yeah like race like tireno i always also tried it already last year but also that was a big learning point like it's not really the ideal moment of the year to to try something like that and then looking for uh for a good shape for the one day race it's yeah you should um should have should find a, a better period in the year to try that well what would you have to change or add do you think to be a gc contender in a three week stage race uh drop some weight <laughs> and uh easy said but not easily done um yeah i think in my best shape i'm around 77 kilos which is still a few kilos too much to to be up there for one day yeah it might work like 
for example, the Olympics or stage on the fun too, it's, yeah, I think it's possible to, um, to hang on and, 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 uh, being one of the best, but if you want to be three weeks there in all the mountains, yeah, uh, I think Jorain can, can answer better than me on this question, but definitely need to be lighter and, um, training wise, yeah, it's, it's more, uh, longer efforts. Uh, you need to break down your explosivity a little bit to have a higher threshold. And uh, yeah, for one day classics, it's it's a little bit the opposite. So yeah, that's that's hard to combine in the same period of the year. So speaking of one week races that you're going to go for, then what 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 would be on first on your hit list? Mainly so I can just avoid it and go for the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like like uh, last year at Tirreno of. Tirreno, Parinesis, these kind of races are, yeah, of, often they have like one big mountain stage, a nice TT, and all the other stages yeah. are quite within my within my capacities, let's say. So I think that's, yeah, would have a biggest chance on, on these races more than Dauphiné or to the Swiss where you, you're in the mountains for the whole week. Yeah, Tirreno so yeah, this year looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's true, but now they... They put me on the team for Paris, so uh, apparently oh. my, my Dutch friends didn't uh, didn't see <laughs> the schedule properly. No, that's that's a joke. <laughs> we, we we changed the uh, yeah a little bit my preparation to the classics. Yeah, last year we saw that uh, the arena was really exhausting. Yeah, also focusing on Strade Bianca is it's really nice. It's one of the nicest races on the on the schedule, but. On the other hand, it's really far from the other important spring classics. So now we try to, to have more uh, gradual um, build-up towards uh, big periods from, from San Remo until Roubaix. Gee, how does that make you feel? Is that making you reconsider your own schedule this year? <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually down for Tirreno, Tom, so that works <laughs> for me. Good news, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know who I'll be racing with because... COVID is ripping through the camp at the moment. We've got quite a few riders down with it, but um, hopefully they get over it now. It's better to have it now, isn't it, than in a month's time, I guess. But just a crazy situation at the moment. But going back to something you said earlier, actually, about family, you've recently had a, had a baby. How, how's life as a dad? Well, it's definitely different than, <laughs> than before. Uh, our son, George, is now a bit more than one year. Now the second time of this uh, volcano that uh, I, I miss him, uh, and it doesn't get any any better. So uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's super nice just to to have him at home, to have some distraction, and uh, to yeah, to to watch him explore the world and explore his uh, ability. So yeah, it's really a special feeling. Is he walking yet? Yeah, he was walking actually, I think he was not even 11 months, so I think he was quite Whoa. quite fast, and uh, I would say now he's he's more running than walking, so uh, we need to keep an eye on him uh, <laughs> 24 hours a day. Yeah, those first few months when they start walking, that's when all the injuries happen, black eyes and big bumps on the head, and everyone looks at you like you, did he do that falling over, or are you just an aggressive dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but 
yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm really happy we we went for it like this early in our lives. Let's say we're still, yeah, both just above 25. I think it's quite early to have kids, but I hope really soon he can enjoy races and enjoy uh, seeing the world together with uh, with me with the races. That must be something really special, I guess. Yeah, that's one thing with me. We did a um a charity thing in Monaco. I don't know if you saw it. Towards the end of November it was, just a little crit around the port. And uh Max was there and he just absolutely loved it. Like, go dad, go dad, go dad. And then he was with um Eddie Dunbar's uh girlfriend as well. And he was cheering and Ed and, and Neva name is. She's like, No, no, dad's at the back. <laughs> and then rest of the day, that's all he was saying. Go dad, dad's at the back. Like, oh, cheers mate <laughs> hopefully a change that next year this year uh, these kids are really honest let's say <laughs> but it'd be a very special thing well I'm sure in a couple of years time when Josh is a little bit older the idea of him watching you win a big race would be something super special yeah uh, I hope so um, <laughs> but yeah it's definitely one of the um, one of the things we we thought about when, yeah, we when we were, yeah. Or I think you have two options: or you you finish your career and and start a family then, or you do it more early and then um, try to combine these things. And uh, one of yeah, the things I hope is that I give him can give him already some some nice uh, life lessons. Let's say I think I learned so much from the age of 18 when I started to travel around the world before I only saw my own village where I grew up and uh, I believe it's yeah it's something big for for these small ones to have uh, to have education like that oh certainly a good call as well staying close to family because that's one thing with us which can be a struggle at times is when you're away from family like you know grandparents and stuff that you can just like you know take him to for an hour when you're just struggling a bit because that makes a huge difference anyway as everyone says happy wife happy life is that's definitely true isn't it when you're away like if you're on top of that volcano now and you're speaking to your missus back home and she's struggling no worse feeling but no well it doesn't seem to be affecting you at the minute anyway so that's good yeah I'm a, I'm a happy man and really grateful to have uh, to have two nice families to, to support my wife yeah can't be ideal to have uh a wife which is stuck at home for three weeks because she has to take care of the baby all alone. So uh, it's a nice thing. So how about this year then? You've obviously got the classics. What about after that? You, um, what are your ambitions? What are you going for? Yeah, my goal is again to go to the tour. I think slightly... That's a shame. <laughs> if Walter's good this year... Walter's a great, yeah, actually... great parkour this year, yeah. Uh, have you ever was... done the Walter, mate? <laughs> No, it was nice it weather. It was a plan to do both, but then uh, I heard you. No, I just do the Volta. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think last year's I was, of course, successful in the tour, but never went into it with, um, yeah, with with the clear plan for myself. Let's say it was always like take the opportunities where they pop up. Um, and I think, yeah, this year uh, we'll also, at least in the beginning, hunt as much points as possible for the green jersey. I think it's also a big um, big call for me. And, uh, yeah, I think I'll, I showed it already previous years that 
it's an option for me to to combine my work for the team and as well go for our personal success so it will be definitely uh, a busy summer yeah obviously because Roglic is one of the main GC guys around at the moment in your team going for yellow jersey so yeah it's going to be a busy three weeks for you guys then but no reason why obviously that first week really lends itself to you picking a point though doesn't it with that short TT to start couple stage yeah exactly it looks really super hard also with the travel from Denmark and then I guess the first four, three, four stages in France are, yeah, each one is, is really tricky. But yeah, start with the with the TT. It's again opportunity for me to to try and wear the yellow jersey. It's also a big goal. Last year I, I came up short a little bit. Yeah, that's where, where we will start with to, uh, to try this. And I think GC-wise we have a, we have a good team to play with Jonas being really strong last year and stepped up uh, to the highest level together with Primos I think we have now yeah two guys to uh, to fight the opponents Gee all this interest uh, from you in the specifics of the tour are making me think that maybe your ambitions have hardened up in the last couple of weeks regarding that race <laughs> No I am um, the tour is always like a tour's a tour isn't it and um, not the best um, experiences I say over the last two years but you know it's um, it's the biggest race isn't it and um, for me like as I've said the next two years are just about trying to win some races in the team and for myself but the tour is something you, you always want to do you always want to go in the best shape and I don't really know what I'll be aiming to do there but as long as this performing well and being in the front of the race either every day all the way through and ride GC or you know going for stages here and there or or whatever obviously with our team um we everything's up in the air a bit at the minute because we obviously lost our leader recently so um yeah we'll we'll see what our game plan is but as Wout said the tour especially this year there's so many opportunities on every stage for a lot of different guys a lot of you know shapes and sizes different abilities so it's um certainly gonna be an exciting race just don't chase me down, mate. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, I went to the other the other minute. I went to say something because I I really remembered this moment you you spoke to me. But the problem was like Pogacar won the day before on the Col de Porte, I guess. And then was the really very last mountain stage, and we wanted to give Jonas the opportunity to um, go for the stage win. But we were down to four guys: it was me, Sepkus, Jonas, and Mike Tunison. So yeah, we, we couldn't pull on the front with with only these guys. Uh, so our only plan to to give Jonas a chance was to chase all the big teams down. So we had some companions to to pull on the front, and in the end it worked because uh, you guys did a great lead out towards the last climb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, well it sounds done. to me, G, like you need to have these conversations. Rather than having these conversations on your podcast, um, the, the year after race, you need you two need to be sitting down in the morning of a stage and just thrashing out exactly who wants what from each day, and then cracking on from there. Well, that's the thing with the tour; like it's so many different scenarios. But once that race started, as I say, you, you could tell that yeah, that's what they wanted to do, and we knew what we wanted. And 
it's just working out how best to try and like get what you want out of it. Because then obviously, like Bahrain, we're going full gas for the polka dot. They were trying to get Wout up the road. Wout Pole, sorry, a different Wout. And then there was other things going on, I'm sure. So it's just like, it's a big it's a big game of Chester tour, which is, it's just, that's why it's so great to watch as well. When you really understand what's happening. Yeah, so many different things can happen. Yeah, I even remember that. I think it was the day before was a really long flat running into the three final climbs and even Quickstep was pulling because yeah. of the time limit they didn't want to have a break too far up the road already or something it was like yeah. so many strange tactics in the last week and they all come together that reminds me yeah because yeah. I was attacking that day as well and Cav was chasing <laughs> me down I was like what the hell I was like are you doing this for the time limit yeah lad yeah because if the break gets like 12 minutes before the first climb, we're going to have so much. Because for people that don't know back home, basically you have to finish within a certain percentage of the winning time. So, for example, it could be 20 minutes that day. So if the breakaway already has 12, Cav's going to... Oh, sorry, I just got a cleaner at the door. One second. I'm okay today, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> nice to hear the, the you speaking to a Portuguese there, G. Oh, they're fluent in English. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Russian though, doesn't it? Portuguese. Yeah, it's a funny language. So yeah, as I was saying, yeah, Cav just basically, yeah, if they hit the first climb of the day twelve minutes behind the break, they're likely going to lose at least another ten once they hit the climb. So they wanted to keep the race together for as long as possible. So yeah, you had the whole a quick step like. Yeah, keeping the race together as well. And they really know how to do it because, you know, they do it all the time for sprints and stuff. So, yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a lot going on that you don't really see necessarily on TV. Do you enjoy all that side of it, Wout? Because there are so many things, there are so many aspects to think about on a day's racing at a Grand Tour. And I could imagine it either being like a great weight of pressure or just enormous fun. How is it for you? Yeah, that's... It's for sure, it's one of the one of the things I did not realize when I was young and when I was only dreaming about cyclocross. Because then, yeah, I saw a front group riding up the road and they would be catched in the last 10k, and then it's a bunch print and couldn't think of yeah what what exactly is in, interesting about that. But once you're in the bunch, you yeah, it's it's not boring at all, and you have all these different tactics and and. Uh, and stuff going on so it's it's um yeah for me it was actually a big uh yeah it was it was surprisingly interesting when i when i came up in the world tour and uh, found out uh, these things just one final story before i let you go i remember something similar was in the olympics this year uh last year sorry when the breakaway had about 20 minutes in the end or 18 minutes something crazy and i remember the Slovenians were talking to the Belgians and no, no, I think the Belgians, you were asking Pogacar and Roglic to put some guys on the front maybe. And they were like, Oh no, Roglic is feeling sick and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was just thinking, what an absolute load of bollocks. Don't listen, <laughs> don't listen to them. They've just, cause they've got four riders. You've got five. Like there's so many little discussions like that going on. It's just, um, this is, this, it is a bit of politics, really, isn't it? It's just trying to convince each other to do what you want. Yeah, and it's also one of these races without radios. 
So at some point I really had to sprint to the front because Greg was already pulling, Greg van Avermaat. And uh, I said, Greg, if you keep on pulling now, you're pulling alone for the whole day. I mean, ah, yeah, you stopped, we, uh, didn't they? We need to, yeah. we need to gamble, or otherwise, uh, we're pretty much fucked. And uh, really need to convince him. And then yeah, we stopped again, and I, I believe it was even more than twenty minutes. And then the Slovenians keep on uh, kept on saying like, "Yeah, we're on with four, and uh, Primus is not feeling good." I said, "Yeah, I raced with Primus." basically the whole year he's never feeling good <laughs> i know yeah. i know i know this kind of stories apparently <laughs> he, he was that he was really cramping because i think in the final he he was not there in the road race but then at some point uh Tratnik starts to pull with greg and uh yeah actually he pulled until the beginning of the very last climb so uh, <laughs> he was uh he was worth three three teammates <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing people do, Tom. It's like, oh yeah, we'll start working. You start, we'll come. Yeah, we'll yeah. come in like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Like, what are you doing? You coming? Oh yeah, yeah, five minutes. So it's always that type of stuff. And same with Roglic, like you're saying. Yeah, he's always. You speak to him in the race. Ah, oh, this is not normal. Eh? Oh, I'm so tired. The pain in the leg is bigger. Eh? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Yesterday, you won by two minutes. <laughs> He's uh, <laughs> normally he's laying next to me, but now he's he's on a massage, and uh, I can tell you, it's the same in every training. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was nice. Nice talking a bit about cycling. Well, I don't know when I'll see you next, but see you in the races. And um, Adrie, Adrie Harold Biggie, the Biggie, <laughs> the one that everyone wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, good luck with the start of the season. Nice one, you too. Cheers, mate. Right, Tom, while you and producer Lou are slaving away on your turbos in the cold and wet British winter, I thought we'd chat to some more GTCC members on why they use Zwift and see if they can give you some tips. Have a listen. Hi, my name's Blair and I've been using Zwift for about 18 months. Um, I really love the flexibility of Zwift and the ability to do just an hour or so before work without the rigmarole of getting organised and heading out on the road. Uh, the thing I most enjoy about Zwift has got to be group rides like the GTCC one. It's the closest I'm ever going to get to being part of a peloton like G and the miles fairly clock up faster when you're part of a bunch. I also find that by signing up for a ride in advance, I create just a little bit of accountability for myself to make sure that I actually get out into the garage and do it. Superb! And if you fancy giving Swift a try, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. And don't forget to join our weekly GTCC group rides every Wednesday at 6pm. We'll see you there. Right, Tom, time for any other business now. And I'm going to start with a shout out of my own to one of our sponsors, Lacquer Insurance, who have come on board for the second season of the podcast. Yeah, that's a good shout, G. So if any of our GTCC members listening to this need bike insurance, then go and check out lacquer.co. And if you sign up using the code GTCC, you'll get a free sweatshirt. It's got our delightful GTCC logo on, and it is pretty suave if I do say so myself. Um, should shit hit the fan, claims are sorted super fast, and you'll be back in the saddle in no time at all. 
Yep, that's right. And we're almost at the end of season two now. So go and use the code and take advantage of the offer. Lacquer.co and use the code GTCC. You're welcome. Right, uh, a few other bits of club business to get through. Helen Stannant says she doesn't want to be a road captain. Helen, that's fine. Not everyone wants to be a captain. But if you go to the GTCC Facebook group, then Helen is offering all the hints and tips on travelling around Europe, watching cycling. So if you need to make a plan for this season, go and ask Helen. Um, Next, controversial one, this G, uh, for reasons that will become apparent. Our official book recommender, Paul Stobbs, has branched out from cycling books this month, including your own cycling books, and is advising people to read, quote, Diddly Squat, A Year on the Farm by Jeremy Clarkson. Paul says, this is an amusing read, open brackets, depends if you like Clarkson, I suppose, as he's a bit Marmite, close brackets. I watched Clarkson's farm series and then read this. How difficult can farming be? Um, G, are you able to comment either on Jeremy Clarkson, his series Clarkson's Farm, or the difficulty or not of farming? <laughs> um, I don't think I can comment on either, to be honest. I haven't seen his show. Yeah, I'm not against Clarkson, to be honest. He is a bit Marmite, isn't he? I don't mind him, though. Although I don't love him, so maybe... I like Marmite. He's not Marmite. I love Marmite, Marmite actually. <laughs> He's not Marmite <laughs> yeah. to me, though. He's more of a... Um, what is he to me? Maybe just a... Uh, honey. Honey's all right. Mm. I take it and leave it. Take it yeah. or leave it. Don't need yeah. it every day. If you have it, it's pleasant. Yeah, so he's honey to me, but farming though, poor, I, I never, I could never do that. I, I said to Sar the other day, it's probably um, the worst job for me if I had to choose. Cause it's really? A, well, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? There's, well, there's no yeah. life with it. <laughs> like, there's no massages parents. at the end of the day either. <laughs> it's not, no. And uh, Sar's mum and dad live next to a farm. And uh, yeah, they'd, pff, Tudor, the farmer, he's just nonstop. I know I mention him a lot as well, but Ave, my father-in-law, he's got a couple of sheep. He thinks he's a uh, farmer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no chance. Um, do the sheep have names? They do, yeah. So I always names them, but they're not allowed to go off and be killed for food. But I think he just lies to her, to be honest. They're red, <laughs> no, black. Black-faced Lester, is that a sheep? Possibly. I'm out of my depth. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know either, but... Um, what are their names? Uh, there's been... There's been a Geraint and a George. Huh. That was a while back after George North because he lives down the, around the corner, down the road. Yeah, massive sheep. It's been like a Ronaldo. Sorry? Is it, was it a massive sheep, George? Yeah, it was. It was absolutely gigantic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not really too into it, to be honest, Tom. They they come and go. He goes to these big farming sales as well and spends quite Does a lot on, a, on sheep, yeah. Does he? I have no idea how much uh, a sheep costs, which maybe means that I should read Diddly Squat A Year on the Farm by Jeremy Clarkson. Maybe, yeah, we'll we'll give it a go. But um, anyway, finally, any more road captains after declaring you've completed it last week? Yes, actually, there are three more road captains, G, um, having declared that we'd completed it. And they are as follows. For Combran Torfine, Suzanne Williams. For Teesside, Lee Turnbull. And for the Wirral, Trisha Riley. Oh, and actually, there is a fourth one. For Herefordshire, Fiona Mundell, and I think this is how you pronounce your name, Piet Mundell. Piet, if it's not Piet, if it's Peter, I'm sorry. You are a husband and wife team. Please uh, take our congratulations for being row captains for Herefordshire. Yeah, good job, guys, and uh, catch you next week, Tom. See you then, G. Ciao, ciao. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. 
Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fionn Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.